Now you may be seated. Well, again, thanks for being here. It's so fun uh, to be worshiping with you guys this morning. I, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, I was gone on a Sunday, and I, I think I mentioned it last week. I was at Southwind, which is a camp that Young Life owns up in the Ocala National Forest. It's a camp that we take our middle schoolers to, some of our high schoolers. It's a camp that I get to go to uh, fairly regularly. I still am a volunteer with Capernaum, which is a, a Young Life ministry for high school kids with disabilities, and it's been a huge part of my life. And so this year when I was there, um, it's just always like really great to be there. It's usually really busy though. I'm usually running around helping kids, carrying people, doing a lot of stuff. But this year I was hanging out with a, a kind of a newer friend named John Evan. John Evan um, is a little less verbal than a lot of my friends. He's uh, needed a lot more kind of space to process. So we were outside of the room a lot of times. We kind of spent a lot of our time instead of being in our big worship times or a lot of the fun games, he wanted to be away a little bit, kind of near but not in it. And so I found myself pulled away, which is uh, kind of terrible for me because I have FOMO, terrible fear of missing out. Um, so like, I, I'm just kind of always anxious about what is, what is everybody doing right now? So um, it was a really good lesson for me of doing that. But part of what happened in the midst of that is I had a lot of time being there and just sort of being quiet and being still and remembering Southwind is a place of long memory for me. Southwind um, is a place where I met Jesus some 20 odd years ago in high school. Southwind is a place where I've met some of my best friends. And every inch of that place, whether it was there uh, when I first started going there has been built since, there has been a conversation with someone. There's been a high school student that's met Jesus. There's been something that has happened there. And as I had time to kind of sit there and go, what has happened over the last 20 something years of my life at Southwind? It was just an incredible time. There were some things uh, that came up. Uh, I worked there for a year right out of college. I spent a couple of summers working there. Um, and a memory, my memory's not awesome. There are little things, uh, my friends tease me because I'll usually remember one or two things about you and that's kind of what you get for the rest of your life. Um, I'll make mostly the same jokes to my friends for 10, 15 years. Um, but at least I have one or two things that I try. Um, but a memory that came back to me this week is my friend Steve and I were working there, just two guys. I was right out of college. He was taking a break from college at the time. Um, just kind of figuring life out. And uh, we were staying there, 85 acres, just the two of us were the only people living on property. And for some reason, we thought it'd be a good idea to watch Seven together, which if you've ever seen that movie, is one of those ones that really messed with my head. And I remember we sort of had to walk each other back to our rooms afterwards because we were too scared to walk across the camp by ourselves at night. Um, so there's just lots of little memories, but really one of the biggest memories uh, was there, was of meeting Jesus, was encountering, like to be able to look back that there was a weekend where life changed. I went there in high school. I was uh, probably, I think I was a junior. And uh, I remember getting on a van. I didn't know a whole lot about the group that was there. I knew there were a lot more girls than guys. So that was a, a win um, at that time. And there was one other guy who was also new. He had just moved to the area. We were kind of sitting in the back of the van together. Turns out his name was Kyle. He's one of my best friends today. Uh, he uh, continues to be one of those people that we just really uh, love on each other and get to uh, share a lot of life with. We've uh, even when we were uh, as morbid as it is, we were doing our will the other day and he's in there uh, as parts of it because he's just someone we super trust and, and their family is a really big deal. And that all started in a, an encounter at Southwind. And so this place is just has a long memory. So it had me thinking a lot just about memories over the last week. What are memories and what were some of my earliest memories? Again, my memory is not awesome, but um, I had a couple of like, when I was thinking back, like what were my earliest memories? I very clearly remember like falling down on some stairs when I was about two or three and skinning my knee. I asked my parents about that. It was at the Devil's Mill Hopper in Gainesville. Uh, the steps were wet. And to this day, anytime I get on like dark wood steps, I'm still a little trepidatious about that. I still kind of think mostly because my flip-flops are always worn out and I need to get new ones. But I still think about tripping on those stairs sometimes. I also remember like falling down some stairs um, 
while we were there. I, as I come to think about it, there were a lot of stairs I fell down in Gainesville. I don't know what. And I don't remember even having, Jimmy, did you have stairs when you lived there? I don't even remember having stairs in any place I lived. Somehow my parents found only places with stairs when we were living there. Um, I remember in elementary school, uh, running back at probably second or third grade, we had just finished playing kickball. Um, we were running back to the school, and um, at the time they were kind of separated far apart, and there was a ditch that ran between the kickball field and the school. I remember there being a lot of mud, and Matt Parker, who was my, um, just like me, except handsome and really athletic, and um, Matt sort of leaped across the thing like a gazelle, and I tried to do the same thing, and I more landed on my face and slid through the mud. And so I remember having to sit in the principal's office so my parents could bring me some new gym shorts and a T-shirt. Um, so I feel like a lot of early memories are caused around pain and embarrassment. Um, but in all of that, like those are some of those are really fun memories. I know some of us have really hard memories uh, that are there. Some of us have memories of things uh, that were done against us that we have nothing to do with. But there are some memories that I think uh, we're in trouble of forgetting. And my question that I want to ask you today are, uh, what are you in danger of forgetting? What, what is it that you are in danger of forgetting? And uh, when I first uh, kind of started thinking about that question, there are parts of my life uh, that are really resonate with that. Um, Maybe for you, uh, you've been at work for a long time. You've been at your same place of employment for a long time. You know where the copier is. You know how to make the coffee. You know the ins and outs of the bureaucracy that's there and, and everything. And maybe you've forgotten what it's like to be new. And when the new guy comes in, you forget to welcome him or her. You forget what it's like to not know where everything is and that kind of fear that's there that you uh, maybe don't have as much grace and uh, patience with them as you used to have when you were newer. Maybe, uh, I know I run into this sometimes, I think, well, you're only gonna be here for a couple of months. I'm probably not gonna spend a whole lot of time with you. You're a short timer, and you can just see it when they walk in the door. And we forget that those are big moments for us to step in and help other people and to move towards them. Um, Maybe for some of you, you're really good at something. I know, Doug, you're an amazing potter. I just, as I look around the room, there's a lot of you guys who are like really great at a lot of things. You've done it for a long time, but maybe you've forgotten what it's like when you're new at that and the patience that it took and all the mistakes that you made early on when you were doing those things. And when someone new comes along and is trying to learn it, it's hard to remember. I, I run into that with the kids a lot as they're kind of getting to this age where they are learning things. I've got a six, a four, and a one. And um, is that how you talk about kids? I guess they're just numbers, sorry. Um, <laughs> My bad. But, um, but as they're learning things, I find myself wanting to just fix it for them really quickly instead of letting them mess up. And I know so much of what we learned was by mistake and patience and our parents giving us another chance. And of course, the Lego tower is going to fall and shatter apart. You've got to build it up again. And I sometimes want to rush in there and fix it, but I sometimes don't have the patience either when we're trying to learn something new. So maybe you've forgotten what it's like to be new at something. Um, maybe for some of you guys, you've forgotten what it was like to be a teenager. You're uh, now parenting them or you have friends that are, you work with them and you've forgotten what those years were like of being a teenager, of what it was like uh, to have all of those weird emotions all at once, to be going through all of this. Um, for me, I know when I think back to those years, the aloneness, that just the loneliness is there. I, I found a journal not too long ago. My parents, um, I don't know why they thought I wanted 14 boxes of stuff they had kept in the attic and decided to drop it all off one day. I hope your parents haven't done that yet. Um, but in there was a journal, and it was just some of the th things that I had written down. I, I forgot the, the loneliness that was there, just laying there awake at, at night. And as you're working with maybe your own kids or other ones, you forget what it was like to be experiencing all that, and we forget what it's like to be graceful in those moments and to be patient to kind of put ourselves in those shoes while still being strong parents, but also understanding that that was just a hard time for a lot of us. Um, 
I know for me too, in that time, there was just a lot of pressure over performance of feeling like everything had to be perfect. You've got to do all of this to get the right thing, to get to the right job, to get to the right school and do all this. And just the pressure that's there from day one and continuing on. And I think we, we're in danger of forgetting that too for, for our own kids and for people that are around us. Um, but those are some areas that affect other people. You know, those are ones that if we forget those, maybe we forget to be gracious towards people, maybe we forget to be patient. But I think there are also areas that we're in danger of forgetting that can cause harm uh, to ourselves. Maybe you've overcome an addiction. Maybe you've worked so long and so hard and it's been so far on the other side or an issue and you've gotten so past it and you think maybe just this one time. Maybe just this one time I can do it and no one will know it's not gonna hurt anybody, it's just me. I've got control over this thing and that one time things go sideways and it affects everybody around you, it affects yourself and maybe puts yourself back into the place where you said you would never be again. You would never put yourself in that situation. And I think there's another danger of forgetting uh, is if you've known God for a long time, maybe you've grown up in church, maybe it's been a long time since you started a relationship with him, maybe you've been moving uh, with him for so long that we're in danger of forgetting what life was like before him. We forget what it was like to not know him, to forget those early days of what it was like to be in a relationship with him, and also that we forget what it's like to count on him, to depend on him. We get so far down that we think that the things that we've accomplished are our own, that we're able to control our own lives, that we're able to do things on our own. And there's a huge danger in that. When we start to think, I've got it. I've got it under control. I can do these things. This is me. We run a huge risk of forgetting what it was that started all this to begin with. And God knows that we're forgetful people. The story of God's people from the beginning of Genesis and through today is a story of people that God continues to come to and says, you are my people. Do this for me. If you live with me and do this right with me, everything will work out. And this is for the benefit of all around you. And continually, his people forget. And they start to think, I did this on my own. Uh, I don't need you anymore. And things fall apart. And yet God continues to show back up. And it's a cycle over and over and over again of a forgetful people. And we fall into that same story. And we're in danger of forgetting the one thing that we need to remember most of all of who God is, who we are, and how this all plays out. Uh, this issue is very real to God. And it's very real to Paul. So today we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 uh, through 22. It's the second half of chapter 2. And so I'm going to read that to you today. You can follow along in your bulletins if you have it or in your Bible. And I would invite you to do that. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who, of you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. 
And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Uh, this is God's word. As I've been uh, reading it this last few weeks and studying this, uh, this really came as a surprise to me. I was really uh, not expecting what was happening in here. Because last week, if you were here, Jim talked about the first part. And in this first part of one through 10 of chapter two, the first half of it, we were talked about that we were dead, but God came in and we are alive. And there's this hope, this gospel truth that we had a chance to share the good news of what God did for us, that the price that he paid, the life that we can have in it. And last week, we went to uh, the communion with this celebration of being alive in this meal. And um, early on, these people that were hearing this, I think would have been in the same boat. They would have heard this first part of the letter and it was sort of this rah-rah message of God did this you were dead but God stepped in and you're alive and they would have been so excited and, and for me I feel like anytime I hear that message the thing that comes after that is now go get him go share it with your friends go do something and it's just it's, it's a pump me up kind of message but that's not what happens in verse 11 something really it just kind of hit me sideways as we were reading it verses 11 and 12 says therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. They were excluded. They were separated. They were without hope and they were without God. This was absolutely nothing what I expected to happen. Because in my head, the follow-up to that is now go out and change the world. But Paul steps back and he says, remember. Remember who you once were in the midst of this excitement, in the midst of being alive. You need to remember. I think Paul wants them to fully remember just how far away they were. And not just were, but in their memory and their collectiveness of how far they are when they fully remember and sit in that, how far away they were from God. And to never, ever forget that. Um, I think he wants the same for us. I think that's why this letter is preserved in its form right here, why we get into this part after we hear the good news, after we hear that incredible message. Paul wants to sit and remember. Um, he wants us to remember that we don't deserve it, how far away we were, and he doesn't want us to be in the same place that he saw the nation of Israel, these people that God had chosen throughout time from Genesis up until this point who kept forgetting who they were who kept forgetting whose they were, who kept forgetting their purpose, who kept thinking that they could do it on their own. And he says, remember, remember you are far away. Remember you were excluded. Remember you were apart. Remember you were not there. In Jim's message last week, you were dead. It follows the same thing. You were dead, but God alive. In this, you were far away. You were dead. You were far away. And remembering is a really powerful thing, but if we sit in just those memories as a dangerous place, Paul doesn't leave us there either. He doesn't say, now just stay here. But he does say, remember, don't forget. Don't forget your God and don't forget who did this. But just like last week, we were dead, but God. This week, there's another but God. It says, but now. We're gonna be looking at verses 13 to 18. In verse 13, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those, to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him... We both have access to the Father 
by one spirit. Remember, but God, but now Jesus has come to do something new. He has come to make one new people out of two. At the time, the people that would have been hearing this uh, were mostly Gentiles in this church. They were people who were uh, not Jewish. They were people that had come to faith in Jesus. And so there would have been kind of two camps that were there at the time. There would have been uh, the folks who'd grown up Jewish, who'd heard about this gospel message and who were celebrating this. The Messiah had come and they'd known this. They'd had thousands of years of stories. And then there was a story of the people who were far away, who were excluded from the original promise from God, the Gentiles. And they were hearing this message and there were these two groups. And it, it, as we study it, and we look at Ephesians, it looks even like the church at the time was mostly made up of this one group of Gentiles who were kind of outside of this. And in this message, he says, but God came to bring you together to create something new, to do something incredible with the two of you together in the one body. I, I think about this a lot when we, um, for I know for many of you, you've heard this or when I do weddings, uh, when you people get married, when folks come together to get married, the hope isn't that two people lose their identities to become one new thing. The people don't shed themselves and become something else and just lose their personalities. The hope is that two people come together and create something new. They bring the best of themselves into this marriage and a new thing happens, a new relationship is formed, a new hope and a new identity comes out of it, but the two people still retain every bit of themselves. And in the same way, I think God is saying this. He says, you two have these incredible stories. This one group of you who are near, who I've chosen throughout time, who've known me, who've had the, the promise of this, you have this incredible gift, but then there are those of you who are far away and how incredible it is that you are far away and I brought both of you together to bring this new people, to be this new identity. To restore his people together is incredible, but only through Jesus. Jesus did it, it wasn't them. It wasn't you and I, it was nothing that we could do. There was no reason actually that this should work. As I think about this, these two people should never have been joined together except but God, but now through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, he brings people together. Even this very morning, the fact of what we're doing in this room is more than just getting together and singing songs. In, in its basis form, it's a group of people coming together, loving on each other, drinking coffee, singing songs, hearing a talk. But in more than that, this is what God's plan was, to bring people together from all walks of life. There is nothing that makes sense about why you woke up today to do this. I mean, if I think about it, it would be so much easier to stay in bed. It'd be so much easier to do something else, but you don't, but you keep showing up because God calls us to be together. He brings people together. And what I love about us is there's every kind of walk of life in here. We have come from all over the map, all of the kinds of different stories. Some of us were really far away before we heard this message. And some of you who are really near and you grew up, but God brought us all together to do something new. And I know for me where this all really came together, um, at Southwind, again, the memories come back for me, so many at Southwind. There was a weekend, it was that same weekend, the first weekend I ever went with my friend Kyle, and um, I don't have a, a story where I can say, at this moment under this tree at 9.42 p.m., I prayed this prayer, but I will tell you there was a weekend where life looked very different after than before. Not everything's been perfect, not everything uh, has been uh, great, but things have been extremely different and there was a different relationship with God. I remember uh, being in a room, uh, not unlike the size of this room actually, and in some ways the same layout of those of you who've been to Southwind. Uh, we were sitting there and it was a, a weekend where there were groups from all over Florida. Um, there were a lot of suburban groups, which were typically uh, white suburban high school groups that had gone, my high school being one of those. Uh, at the time, there were also a lot of groups uh, like from the inner city, Jacksonville, Tampa, Largo, uh, predominantly black high schools that were there. And I remember the speaker, Justine, um, she was a black female, incredible speaker. And she got up in front of the room and we were all sitting there and she looked at us and said, what's, what's wrong with this picture? 
And I remember sitting there going, uh, nothing, we're having a great time. We're, we're here to hang out at camp. Like, this is awesome. Uh, just take a look around. And I still, I think at that point, I'm still going, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then she's like, look at the room. And in that moment, it was as if scales had fallen off my eyes and half of the room was black and there was almost a line down the middle and half the room is white. And to this day, I, I don't, there was nothing inherently what was uh, trying to do that on purpose. We sat with our friends, we came with the group we sat with, but I remember very clearly Justine saying, this isn't how the kingdom looks. Get up and mix it up. Get up and move around and sit with other people. And she did it. And I, to this day, I've called her a few years ago because we, at the edge, our high school group, it looked very much like that. And I remember calling her and going, what did you say that day? What talk did you do? She's like, I have no idea. I just said something and told you all to move. But it worked. My life has been different because, because God cared more about us being together, about bringing together something that was bigger than just my life and just my eternity. It was about changing something in that room and about bringing people together. And he's doing it in the church today and he's doing it in this message. But God, but now. It was incredible. And to this day, I've been affected by that moment. I've had the chance to do that as well. And, and God cared enough to mix people up to create something new, something better, something bigger than we could have ever dreamed in the church. And in the third part of this, verses 19 through 22, we were dead, we were separated, we were far away, but God, but now. And last week, Jim said, and alive. And in this third section, we see where life happens. Because in verse 19, it starts with consequently. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Alive. What does alive look like? Consequently, we become a holy temple to the Lord a dwelling where God lives through all of this when we were far away, but God draws us near and brings us together to be a place where God lives. What we do here this morning is bigger than just showing up and singing songs. This is the place where God lives. This is the place where he says he wants to be alive and make his dwelling among us. That is an incredible thing. I, I haven't really figured out the word of how I feel about it because as I've thought about that, if I, if I can scratch the surface and get through that what we do as a church is more than just getting together. When I really get us a little tiny glimpse of how God views what we're doing, it is mind boggling. It is mysterious. It is mind blowing that he would choose to, get, to bring us together, broken people from all different kinds of stories and that he bring us together and say, no, we together. If you've done the Ephesians study, y'all as the word that they said the Ephesians is written to, together we are the place where God is moving into where he's setting up shop, where he is being the light to the world, where he is working to actively change what is going on. It is unbelievable. Consequently, we're alive and the hope is that we're the church together. Uh, even this very morning, even this July 3rd, where it was hard to get up and you're thinking about tomorrow, even this very day, what God is doing is an incredible act of grace, an incredibly mysterious thing where he brings us together. And I am um, humbled that we get to do it. And it, I think if we can get that picture, I think if we can get oh, just even the smallest taste of what God's hope is for the church, we can't leave here but changed. We can't leave here but understanding a little better of what he wants to do in the world because this is an incredible thing. This is an incredible movement of what God wants to do through us. But the challenge, I think where it all starts, is for us to remember. 
which seems so counter to all of us because again, it moves into this picture of who we are as the church, of how do we do this, of where God's dwelling place is, get the challenge that Paul starts with. I think is the challenge where we sit this week is a challenge uh, to remember. Remember who you were before God showed up and remember the price he paid to change our lives. Uh, we're gonna talk more as in Ephesians, in the second half of Ephesians, we're gonna talk more about how do we live this out? What does it look like to do this as a church? What does it look like to do this as individuals, to live out the holiness that God has called us to, the hope that he has? But in the first half, we're really setting up the picture of what God has done in our lives. And if we can fully grasp this first part, the second part of how do we then live it out will make sense and we will wanna we'll do that because we'll be so compelled by the vision of what God has for his church. We can't help but respond to it. But today, I challenge us to remember, to sit in remembering. Remember what it was like before God. Remember what it was like when God showed up in your life. And if you're here today and you don't have that memory, if you don't yet remember, I'm so glad that you're here and that you're here investigating this, that you're here listening. Um, God wants you to have a memory. God wants to move into your life and he wants there to be a day when you look back and go, I was dead, but God, and now alive. I was far away. I was without him. But then he showed up and brought me together with a group of people and now He's joined me together to be alive and he wants you to have that memory and we invite you into that. We hope, and I don't even say we, I, I hope that you take the time to do that, to really consider that because God is not a God who's telling you, do this, do this, do that. He's not a God who's trying to stop you from doing all these things. He is a God who is inviting you into an incredible story, an incredible story that has spanned thousands of years and will continue on. And it's a story about being dead, but what he has done for you and being alive and we, would love for you to take part of that. And even this very day, if you've heard this and you go, I wanna be part of that, all it looks like is moving towards him, of, of acknowledging that he is who he says he is, that Jesus is who he says he is, that you uh, move all of that you know of yourself towards all that you know of God. And on this very day, you can join into the work that he's doing.